Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the New Spectator USA website. I'm joined today in our London office by Dominic Green, who is Life and Arts Editor for Spectator USA. And we're going to be asking, what can America do to stop mass shootings? Dom, we've had three awful mass shootings in America in recent days, and it feels like America's on a sort of loop in which these things happen on a regular basis, and the debate never seems to move anywhere. What do you think when you look at these debates? Well, Freddie, to me, this is a a pre-political question, which is as much to do with the psychological health of a population as it is to do with political parties or the law. The problem seems to me that it immediately hits the buffers because in America nothing is held to be pre-political in that the foundation of American life is a document, a legal document, it's the Constitution. And therefore, you're going to come up against the Constitution at some point. And and once you unpick one part of it, you're effectively saying you have the right to unpick all of it. And the only thing worse than a logjam where nothing can be changed because of the Constitution and the party system is a situation when anyone can change anything they like if they ha- hold the levers of power. So, I mean, this is why there, there are arguments that America needs a new constitution. Well, certainly somebody like Lawrence Lessig of Harvard pointed out a few years ago that this was an 18th century system and it's beginning to creak in all kinds of ways. And uh, there are people who would say that if the founders were alive in 2019, they would probably agree that it would be time to have a technocratic managerial constitution. But I don't think most people would feel that way at all. I think politicians invariably are trying to take more power for themselves and, and a greater right to tell other people what to do. In this case, the right to bear arms is so ingrained and so clearly a principle to which people hold because it puts a limit on what government can tell people to do, that it's very hard to to see uh, a way forward on removing the Second Amendment from the Constitution, which of course is what many liberals would like to do. The only thing they can really do is try and pin down the Gulliver with lots of procedures to make it harder to get guns and to make it harder, even harder to get certain kinds of weapons. We had an excellent piece on Spectator USA this week by Daniel McCarthy, one of our regular writers, um, and the title was Liberalism Cannot Stop the Shootings. And his argument, I mean, he made one good point that actually gun violence has declined, even though these mass shootings have increased. And his, his, his real point was that um, it's not necessarily about guns, because people can kill using weapons, or, uh, using other weapons, or you know, cars or anything like that, and that is actually increasing. Timothy world, McVeigh, for instance, worldwide, yeah. yes, and that actually the 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 graver and deeper problem is almost a spiritual one, in that outside of the family, and to a certain extent, religion, young men are not being formed a given conscience; they're not forming moral consciences, and this is a problem that liberalism, as an ideology, divorced from the. Christian underpinnings that it has cannot tackle. Absolutely right, I think. Claire Berlinski wrote very well on this, tracing back the first great crisis. This was another piece piece, exactly on on, uh, the Russian nihilists, who were really the first terrorists as as we would understand them in in the modern West. And um, it absolutely fits that pattern. And there's lots of uh, people who've observed that the pattern of of the, the disaffected white American male with a gun pretty much fits the psychological pattern also of the Islamist terrorist, even though many people would like to keep those two partitioned. Um, It is not perhaps the job of the government to fix people's spiritual crises, or rather the answers to spiritual crises that have been offered, which were those of fascism and communism, 
actually turned out to be far worse uh, worse than the the crisis created by democratic liberalism. But it's very true. The resources which are required to bind young men into society and give them a purpose are not those that even a welfare program can offer. No. Well, let's talk about Trump because obviously the conversation always turns back to all at some stage. And I mean, he has said we need to address the problems of the internet as as a sort of tool of radicalization. And his statement to me, if you can escape the sort of very odd way in which he talks when he's reading from a teleprompter, seemed to be perfectly sensible, but of course didn't satisfy a lot of the American media. And we had this ridiculous situation with the New York Times, which after a big reader backlash, changed its headline from Trump urges unity versus racism to assailing hate but not guns, because they didn't want anybody to think that Trump might be saying something reasonable or even good. One thing that's being mooted a lot in Washington now is that Trump might come up with some sort of deal or offer to the Democrats in which he says, I'll give you gun reform if you do what I want on immigration. This makes perfect sense politically. The only downside for Trump would be that he will irritate a large part of his base. But let's face it, where is that large part of his base going to go in 2020? I don't think they're going to run away from him, particularly if he's running against uh, Kamala Harris, for instance. So what are the downsides of that deal? And I don't really see how it shouldn't happen. Well, this is the, the, the great hope that people keep attaching to Donald Trump and are, and are periodically attached to him all the way through his presidency, is that If he is a man without political ideology, the possibility of grand bargains on all of these log-jammed questions become possible. And yes, that kind of deal would antagonise the Republican base, but it possibly might enrage the Democratic base even more, for they will see their their leaders in Congress cutting a deal with the devil, which is how, of course, they've characterised Trump. They are utterly convinced that Trump is not just a nationalist and and an elderly white man, but he is a, a white nationalist or a white supremacist. But, I mean, we're probably making a mistake in dividing this up as a left-right issue anyway, because America is a very complicated place when it comes to guns. And, I mean, as we know, the shooters themselves are not all far right. I mean, the guy in Ohio, Connor Betts, uh, seems to have been an Elizabeth Warren supporter. Yes, Um, yes. And even these white supremacists are are motivated by, you know, concerns about the environment and that man is a sort of pollutant in the world. It's more complicated than just um, crazy right-wingers, much as Britain, British people like to think it. that's all it is. Absolutely. There are, there are plenty of Democrats who, who go hunting and plenty of Republicans who wouldn't know one end of a gun from the other. And, and, and as we know, the, the Americans are more attached to their constitution in principle than they are to, to anything else. Connor Betts, of course, is an interesting case. He's an almost European case in that he, he was a radical left-winger like, and, and rather like the man who shot uh, the Dutch politician Pim Fortuyn. So there are cases, and, and obviously there were shootings of uh, Steve Scalise, uh, who was shot by an angry Democrat, in yeah. fact. So it does go both ways. But overwhelmingly, the shooters, because of the demographics and so on, tend to be young, white, right-wingers. The question is, how many of them are Republicans and how many of the Trumpists? They may, I mean, the, um, the man who shot up the synagogue in Pittsburgh was angry at Donald Trump, for not for being a, for not being a white nationalist, in fact. So um, when it comes to these things, Trump can't win, as it were, except, of course, at the ballot box uh, next year. Well, he can win in the sense that he can point to the internet as a factor, and there's no denying that is a factor. And another factor is, uh, we think in a lot of these cases, fatherlessness, uh, and often actually cannabis use. Yes. And there are these deeper issues going on that, that I mean, aren't going to be fixed by 
Well, there um, are three things that it's true that, I mean, 40 years ago, if you sent a copy of the anarchist's cookbook through the mail in the US or in any European country, um, you would be liable for prosecution and imprisonment. The same document can be sent, you know, through the internet without prosecution. So Donald Trump is not just being a sort of elderly curmudgeon when he's complaining about the internet. It is a serious problem, I think. It's quite easy for us to, as Brits, to sit here and talk about it, but I don't think Brits understand American gun culture at all or how important and fundamental it is. And it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning about where authority comes from in America, and it comes from the Constitution. And We don't quite understand how sacred and important that is to Americans. No, I think this is true, and certainly when it comes to something like, say, fatherlessness or the role of religion, these things are most definitely not the state's business in in a sense that in a European society they usually are, in the sense there is no state church, for instance. There there are no natalist policies. There, there There's no... The welfare state doesn't reach that far into family life, say, in the way that it has in Europe for generations. So when it comes to these questions, Americans are absolutely on their own, yes, paddling but... with a rolled-up copy of the Constitution. Yes, and it's all very well. I mean, a lot of American writers, David Frum, for instance, saying, you know, look, what is the one thing that stands out in America and why do we have guns? It is the guns. It's the guns, stupid. Yeah. But actually... That doesn't. That argument doesn't cut. David Frum's Canadian, of course, in origin. So perhaps he doesn't. He himself doesn't understand it. Well, the, all you can do is slow down the process. All of these um, combination fixes, such as background checks, uh, a cooling off period, so so you don't buy one when you're angry. All of these things really do is deferring the moment to, at which an unsuitable person may be in charge of a very powerful weapon. The power of the weapons, of course, is a point. I mean, yeah. And I do think that people have a point when they say, well, these, these laws referred to muzzle-loading muskets and, and therefore not uh, machine guns. Yeah. But you can't, certainly under American law, you can't withhold the right to buy things from people simply because they live with their mothers. Yes. Being immature, being miserable is not grounds, really, for denying somebody the legitimate right to make a purchase. And, of course, then you have the added problem of gun fares, which are sort of outside of the usual restrictions. And that is another, another issue. But, wh- I mean, what do you think the odds, let's say even if Trump is voted out next year, the odds of America shifting on this are probably pretty low, given that the, the, the last 10 years there hasn't really been any change? I think it's going to be the last thing that's going to be fixed. And if there is a grand bargain, it, it, it may even get halfway before it runs into the sand. I find it impossible to imagine because it is so clearly embedded so early in, in the Constitution and so fundamentally in the American self-image that although they seem to have come to terms with the idea of having a standing army, because that too is one of the things that are disavowed in the, in yeah. the uh, Declaration of Independence and so on. They, well, that's the reason for the for the Yes, amendment, exactly. Yeah, they've come to, they have a big old standing army, but they're still having the citizen militia to defend against it. it, it they, it'll be the last thing to be fixed. The, even immigration uh, is relatively simple compared to this because of its position in law. Don, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. (laughs) 